If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. How are you guys doing? And welcome over here to the channel. If you guys are new, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. If you guys want to get notified every single time a video goes live, because we do one every single day over the Ukrainian conflict, please hit that bell notification and you will be sent a notification when it goes live. One a day, I promise you, you will get one from me. If you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it'll be linked in the very top of the description as well. I'm just throwing it out there. We throw some stuff on there that's kind of spicy at times, stuff I can't put on YouTube. So there's that. So we're going to start off with the news. And you guys actually did like that. I was, I was going to pull up my map here. If you guys are new, I have my own map. I guess we'll show you real quick. Red is going to be uh, held areas by the Russians, and blue is going to be clearly Ukrainians. Blue triangles, heavily fortified positions by the Ukrainian, and red is, well, Russian. So there you go. So that's what it looks like. All right, so more than 40,000, yes, 40,000 fighters from Syria and Lebanon have signed up to go and fight alongside Russian forces in Ukraine. 40,000. It was 16,000, I think, like, a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, now it's up to 40,000. The fighters are still currently sitting in Syria and have not yet received any order to actually go to Ukraine, but there's 40,000 people actually willing to leave their country and go fight for another one, which is it's kind of crazy. So on an even crazier note, Russia has actually started to throw around the nuclear weapon word. As of today, Russia said they would use nuclear weapons if a country existence was ever threatened. This is directly from the Kremlin's spokesperson said that there's no other reason for Russia to use nuclear weapon weapons other than that. So if they ever feel threatened, apparently that's that that's a very vague term to use. Threatened. Their, their existence of threat, and that, that's very vague. So I don't really know where they're going with that. I, I did say this about a week ago. So did, so did Biden, matter of fact, that they will actually be utilizing the, the, this word of, of nuclear, using nuclear arms, or, or we'll see chemical warfare be used if they start to, to notice that they're going to lose this conflict in Ukraine. So the videos you're actually going to see are, are on the Polish-Belarusian border. All right, so this is not uncommon. It, it might be a little bit uncommon, the fact that it's so close, but it's actually on the border, and it is of the 81st Striker Brigade Combat Team. It's a National Guard unit, and here it is for you guys right now. NATO. Поляки, граница с Польшей, Беларусь, Польша, с американскими флагами. Сука, блядь, уроды, ебаные. Это же вторая колонна, америкосы уже подъезжают. Now, a lot of those people may see those and think, oh, my gosh, they're going to invade a country. No, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're just going for a nice little cruise. I don't know, just making sure their vehicles work. Nothing super crazy. They're not patrolling in, in Poland. I mean, Americans are not driving around. Like it's, it's not happening. I know a lot of people probably think, oh, my God, this is crazy. It's really not that abnormal. So if you guys see those videos, don't, don't, get, super, don't get super jacked up. 
it is increasingly becoming more and more plausible that Belarus is actually going to be entering this conflict. This is coming directly from a NATO military official. Putin clearly needs help and support anything in any way he can get it, I think he's going to do it. And it, I don't think it's actually going to be the Belarusians. I don't think it's going to be their idea to do this. I think it's going to be coming directly from Putin. If Putin wants them, he's going to have them. And they, they currently have a couple thousand troops that are on standby, prepped and ready. They can literally launch within a two-day notice and, and, and make the advancement. And I think they're going to be utilizing them on the on the western side of the country, which wouldn't make any sense to me because they haven't even really secured the eastern side. You'd probably think, hey, we should probably go after. I, I guess you can look at it two different ways. They can try to overtake Kiev by force, or they can try to spread out the Ukrainian military and push some more troops on the western side of the country, which would spread them out just a little bit. I don't know. Maybe the, the maybe the Ukrainians are so heavily concentrated on the eastern side of the country that maybe they might send the Belarusians on the western side just to kind of th- try to, I don't know, thin them out a little bit. Ukrainian forces were actually able to secure a storage facility. Yes, the storage facility you are currently seeing the photos of. It's coming from a location that was full of 125-millimeter tank rounds along with a Russian T-72B and an MTLB along with an Oral-10 and a Recon UAV. Yes, that was a mouthful, and that is a lot of 125-millimeter rounds you saw inside of that. That's a lot of rounds. That's a significant little cache they found there. That's good. Good for the old Ukrainians. The new surveys actually also came out that shows that 86.6% of Russians support the Russian invasion of European countries, and 75.5% think that after Ukraine is completed, that Russia should actually attack Poland. I don't know. That smells like a little bit of propaganda to me, but you know what? We're going to let this one simmer and just take it with a grain of salt because I was only found on one source, so I don't really, I don't know. I don't know how true that is. I mean, we'll just roll with it. Thought I'd let you guys know. And this image that you are currently seeing is coming out of Belarusian city of Dublin, which is roughly just 18 miles. I say roughly. It's exactly 18 miles from the Ukrainian border. And as you can see inside this satellite imagery, there are troop tents and equipment being staged there for a possible push into the country. This is all new. This is crazy thing about satellite imagery. We're living in, in, in 2022 now. I almost said the 2021, but in 2022, we can literally see this stuff at our finger, fingertips. We carry a computer in our pocket, which is so crazy that I'm able to do this sitting in my house. I know I have three laptops sitting in front of me, but with that being said, it's, it's crazy. We can, I can literally see everything that's going on day by day over there in Ukraine and Belarus and Russia. It's, it's nuts to me. It's, it's insane. And we know that they're not going to actually attack the Belarusians because then it would actually give them incentive to actually join officially. So, And everybody's asking about Wally. Everybody's been asking, where's Wally? Where's the infamous sniper? I've actually seen comments come through on this. I'm like, I don't know where Wally's at. It's not like he's giving me his GPS location. But guess what? We've got a photo of the infamous Wally. If you guys don't know who he is, he's a Canadian sniper. And he just so happens to be one of the, the more well-known snipers of my time, I guess. He was in Afghanistan at the same time I was, and he's been to Iraq and, and so on and so forth. He fought ISIS in Iraq. But with, with that being said, now he's chilling. He's looking like he's having the time of his life over there in Ukraine. I don't know what he's really doing. Probably, I mean, I, it, I don't have to say, he's probably enjoying himself. He literally went over there to, to fight off the Russians from, well, invading Ukraine. So there's a photo of Wally. He's still doing good. There's the infamous sniper, one of the best ones ever to live, is over there in Ukraine still. I know that I'm saying this because there was a lot of, a lot of propaganda that came out like a day or two after he entered the country that Russians have already taken him out. Like I said, when I, I don't know if you guys saw that episode, but I was saying that was going to put a lot of fear on the Russian soldiers, and it clearly did, because then they came out with a whole bunch of stuff. Hey, guys, don't worry. We killed him. Don't worry. he is He's not here anymore. He is gone. Well, this photo of him with his legs crossed holding a rifle inside of somebody's bedroom says otherwise. 
I'm going to also play this intercepted phone call for you guys. I'm only going to play a small tidbit of it because it's in Russian. Okay, so I know a lot of you guys probably don't speak Russian, or some of you guys may do. I don't know. But with that being said, we're just going to play a little snippet for you guys, and I'll t- translate it here in a second. Hello. Victorovich, привет. Короче, здесь пиздец, я скажу так, Но недавно, смотри, что. Но вчера грады, кстати, отработали. Не знаю, походу, ну, мы спрашивают наши, никто ничего не может сказать. So here are your Cliff Notes translation. This is worse than Chechnya. 50% of troops have frostbite. They can't evacuate the dead. Don't have enough tents. Russian plane dropped bomb on their own position. One column was hit by grad rockets. Can't figure out if it was friendly fire or not. Medics only have bandages. Can't help with frostbite. No hot stove, digging trench to sleep in. Commander of the 49th CAA told troops on day number four that the war would be over in just a few hours. So a lot of you guys and gals out there that were making the comments, they're like, oh my God, it's not that cold. When I was talking about uh, the weather about a week ago, I said the high was going to be in the low 20s and it was going to be about 11, 10 degrees there. And he goes, oh, it's Russia. They're, they're used to it. Well, a lot of people don't realize when you're moving, you're sweating, you're doing all this stuff when you're in combat, your adrenaline's going, you're not eating right, you're dehydrated. There's a lot of things that actually go on that, that an average human being that's just like standing out in the cold is like, well, look, I have my jacket on. Well, they don't have the right equipment. They don't even have the right equipment to actually advance in the cities. You think these men actually have sleeping bags? You think they have the right socks, the bright boots? Do you think they're able to dry out their socks after they get wet and then they're frostbitten and they're so cold and frozen? No. So clearly this is an actual thing. I know it's kind of goofy that I had to play a, a piece of it, but I know there's a lot of people out there that, are, well, don't really believe it. And this is kind of crazy. It's true. I talked about this about a week ago, and it's happening. A lot of the men are having problems with frostbite. I mean, it is a thing. So there's that. And this is the last one I'm going to tell you guys about. This one I'm about to show you is somewhat wild. I cannot believe that RT, which is a network inside of Russia, it's Russian-held, Russian-based, Russian-everything. It's literally just all Russia. It's literally been banned everywhere in the world. They bring on this gentleman named John Bolton. You guys know who John Bolton is here in America. And they let, let me tell you guys right now, the person that gave this interview is 100% sweating about a minute into this, which we're only playing a minute of it. And they're definitely worried about the consequences of after it being aired. So here is that. Arming Ukraine, which the West has been doing very eagerly over the last couple of months and years, already constitutes security threat for Moscow, at least in, in, in the Kremlin's calculus. And I want to ask you something as a strategist this rather is than... A this is purely a pretext on the Kremlin's part. What, what, what Ukraine was looking to do was make sure that it had adequate defensive capabilities and d- d- to does, does it have the those base. adequate defense capabilities right now? Uh, did that premise work out well? Does it have it now? Well, it's doing a lot better than the Kremlin expected, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's not good enough, but let, let me ask you again. Well, a, a what strategic- would you like? Would you like Ukrainian troops m- marching into Russia, which you know, if the Russian forces continue to perform as poorly as they have well, so far. Mr. Bo- Bolton, what I, I would like to, for us to be grounded in reality. You know, real politic uh, matters something in this world. And I, I do want... Russia is losing this war at this point. Russia has failed to achieve its objectives. We don't know exactly what Russia's casualties are, but I think there are going to be a lot of families in Russia missing their sons uh, this coming year. Now, Ambassador Bolton, let me ask you something as a strategist rather than an ideologue. Whatever you think of Putin, I'm sure authorizing an operation like this was a huge moral and historical dilemma for him because Russia indeed has a very special connection to Ukraine. 
So I have satellite imagery of the Russian artillery positions that are actually just northwest of Irpin, as you guys see. In the images you are seeing, I have the, oddly enough, we have the actual grid coordinate once again. So you guys see Irpin? There it is. There's Bucha, actually. So Irpin, Bucha, Hostomel, all kind of in the same area. But just northwest of Hostomel and Bucha. So here you go. There it is. There's the actual grid coordinate and the actual, the actual location of the artillery that you are seeing laid out in front of us. I know it's kind of crazy that we're able to pick apart this kind of stuff through satellites, but in this day and age, you can find just about anything on the internet. I've seen multiple reports right now, so we're going to switch over to my map. So everybody that's new to the channel, we utilize these maps a ton. So we know earlier yesterday that Makarov, this area right here, has been liberated. And which is crazy, as I talked about it yesterday, and as I was doing some research for today, it started popping up all over mainstream media here in America. I was like, what? Are you? How did you guys not find this like a, a 24 hours ago? Anyway, there's Makarov right there. That was liberated by the Ukrainians. Now, this is a big deal for all you guys who are new. There's a route that comes in. I believe it's E40. I believe I believe it is E40. This main route that comes in, it runs east and west. This cuts off the Russians on that southern side that are actually kind of somewhat stranded right here. They're not, they're not fully cut off, but they're cut off from the inability to actually move on this route to maneuver supplies and or men and, men and supplies pretty much out. So there's been multiple reports that Ukrainian forces have actually launched a counteroffensive just northwest of Kiev that have surrounded Russian soldiers in Bucha in Hostomel. So I've seen multiple reports. And when I mean by multiple reports, I've seen many different reports. I haven't seen actual video and or like a confirmation photos and stuff like that. I haven't seen confirmation as of just yet, but I've seen this come through multiple accounts that I actually do trust for sources. And I will tell you guys right now uh, on the northwest side in Bucha and on Hostomel. So here you got Bucha, Hostomel, all right there, and here's Urpin. So Urpin has been heavily contested. It's pretty much back and forth with the Russians and the Ukrainians. But Bucha and Hostomel has the main line that runs through it. That's where the, the main fortified areas for the Russians have been. Now, I will say, if they're cut off right now from their forces, that is, that's, so, that's super significant. You guys can see the main routes coming in here. So you guys see these main routes coming into the city. Those actually lead into that same area. So that's where they bring in all their tanks, artillery, men, supplies, everything else. Now, that being said, I do believe that one of the ways that they could have done it, because there is some cleared white space through here, is they could have pushed through there. And we know that the Ukrainian forces have been working phenomenally when it comes to communication with their own uh, their own forces. They've been setting up these ambushes, doing raids and so, and so forth. They've been doing a phenomenal job of that. They've been actually hitting up inside this area just north of here. It's actually roughly about right here. They've been hitting the rear element of the Russians over the last two days with artillery, uh, mortar strikes, all that kind of stuff. They've actually been setting up on ambushes on the rear element, which is a big deal. So that's why I believe they could actually slip through this northern piece and then cut west, somewhere like this to cut off and then link up with their element on this end. I do think that is a, a big deal. And if they do take this side and they actually somehow secure all this area right here, these main routes coming into the northwest side of Kiev, that will that will put a big damper on the Russians trying to push through. Because what I told you guys, let me switch over here to my bigger map. Down over here on the southern side, these two dotted black areas of Obukiv, I guess you would say, and Fastiv, those two areas are the main areas that they're going to have to get to, the Russians, that is. They're literally going to have to push down and take these areas to cut off the supply routes that are running out of the southern side of Kiev. If they don't do that, they're going to run into more issues. They already have a ton of issues, clearly, with frostbitten men, lack of food, lack of supplies, morale being a huge one. If they lose that area in Bucha and Hostomel over the next 24 hours, 48 hours, that is going to be a morale killer inside of that area. Like mega. So just outside of Chernihiv, which is up here in the northeast side of Kiev, 
I will tell you guys this. The Russian military has brought in some Boot M3 air defense systems in which we actually have some video for you guys to show right now. Now, the Russians have actually launched an attack on a Ukrainian checkboard on the outskirts of Chernihiv as well. This is the first offensive attack I've actually seen inside of this area. The only thing they've been doing inside of the area of Chernihiv, as you guys don't know this, earlier, about a week ago, they brought all of their men out of Mena and they pulled them back over to Chernihiv to try to push through. Now, we know out here on the outskirts, about 25, I actually showed you guys yesterday, just about right here where that square in X is. That's the exact area, well, rough area, she would say where we had fought, spotted some, some artillery units on satellite imagery. Now, over here, all around, about 25 kilometers around the city, all they do is they shell the city with these with these giant artillery pieces. That's all they do. Now, I will say this offensive that is going on, and that has happened a little, it's actually like a, the first offensive I've seen. They took out a, a couple T-72s, and you guys will see the video uh, from the Russian perspective right here. Hey, keep up, see both. Еще пачку нашел? Ебать. Да, быка въебал, смотри, он видел? В землю еще воронка. Быка ебнул. А с чего интересно? Наши? Артиллерия ебнула. Now, down over here, I haven't annotated it entirely. I have kind of moved the map a little bit. As you guys can see, I've taken out the Russian and Ukrainian line that used to be right there. It has been adjusted. Right now, there is a strong defensive setup on the eastern side of Ok. So Oak Trio right there, I will say the Russians have actually pulled out of that area completely as of right now. And I'm going to tell you guys, it's probably for the same reason they started pulling men out of Chernihiv, is to try to take the city of Sumy. Sumy is a huge thing. If you guys don't know, the main route that comes in to supply this whole eastern side of the country runs about right there. And the entire time, the, the, the Ukrainians are able to actually set up ambushes on this route because they have freedom of movement to actually move, maneuver all they want through here. We do know as of the last 24 hours, the Russians have been moving uh, units in there to actually try and secure this route. So I actually have a Russian report. I'm going to, so a lot of people, I'm, like I said, I'm going to be objective, subjective, whatever you want to say. I'm going to be, I'm going to try to talk it from both perspectives. So down here in Izium. So here's Izium right here. It's one of the more heavily contested areas and probably the more prominent areas the Russians need to take to actually make an advancement in the east. We know that all these areas over here, well, right now they're heavily fortified and they've been having a hard time getting through. But I don't know how much longer the Ukrainians can actually hold that off. I have annotated the map and updated it quite a bit through here. As you guys can see, I took off some of the Russian-held area right there. So I pushed it back just a little bit and made it a little bit more dialed in for you guys. Now, there are a ton. If you just scroll through, look at all these heavily fortified Ukrainian uh, defensive positions that are actually set up currently. And over the last week, all they've done is been able to actually fortify these positions even more. So down in Izium, which is right here, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this for you guys. This is directly from a Russian source. So the battle for Izium, or rather the territory of south of the city and the village of Kamneka is gaining momentum and becoming one of the most important points in the war. In the morning, the AFU attempted to maneuver with an armored group up to a tank company. They were driven back by air artillery and artillery strikes. Right now, powerful artillery strikes are being launched against the AFU near Kamika. 
The result will be clear by morning. The AFU has pulled up two more motorized, motorized excuse me, rifle battalions near the town and is trying with all its power to prevent the Russian armed forces from breaking through Slovinask. We must pay tribute to artillery of the AFU. It is firing quite accurately. Plus, it actively launches tachkas. And enemy UAVs are constantly taking to the sky. Our air defense works at full power. You can constantly observe the destruction of enemy objects in the air. In turn, the AFU air defense systems is working on our enemy aviation, fortunately, without success. So that is actually directly from a Russian piece. That's what's going on in Izium itself. So the Russians are actually thinking they're going to be able to take the southern portion of the town, which we talked about. The Ukrainians said about two days ago they thought they would actually be moving on because they could not push through. We know all the roads are and roads are pretty much chewed up there. The bridges are blown out. They got to bring in a, a, a engineering unit to actually get pontoons across so they can actually drive their equipment across. We know there's a lot going on, but Izium is a crucial piece because that'll allow the units a free flow movement over east, or excuse me, from the east to the west onto Nipro. And we all know this. This is one of the things I've said multiple times, but Izium is a crucial point. If the Ukrainian forces can hold us off, it's going to be a big thorn in the side of the Russians. So down here in the south over the last 24 hours, you guys see Edvinka right here and uh, Marinka right there. So those two areas, the Russians have actually started doing more probing attacks, and I've actually seen this more and more throughout the country. So they actually tried to do probing attacks on those two towns, and they didn't pan out too well. They took a few casualties. The attacks didn't amount to nothing. It was nothing more than the military, or the Russian military, actually testing to see how the defensive positions are actually set up. Now, this is something that's an actual tactic the U.S. Army uses. Is everybody uses this tactic. This is a probing attack. You're trying to figure out the defenses of your enemy. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're trying to see where they're, which the where their weak points are, where they're strong, where they're heavy, where they need to drop artillery on. That's pretty much what they're doing. They're just kind of gauging the, the environment around them before they actually push through. Now, down in Mariupol, there hasn't been a big change as of right yet. So here's my map of Mariupol, as you guys, oops. So as you guys do know, I hope some of you guys do know if you've been around, uh, the Azaz unit is just about right here, roughly about right there. We've seen some video over the last 24 hours of them actually utilizing tanks inside the city still, which is nuts to me. They, they still have the freedom of movement to actually maneuver their tanks inside the city. The Chechnyans have moved in underneath the Azaz from the southern side. Now these heavily fortified blue areas are crucial right now. And I, and I keep saying this over and over again. I think the inevitable is going to happen inside of this town and it's going to become nothing. I, I don't think it's, I, I don't know how much longer they can last. I don't know how much fuel, water, ammo, everything they have. They still have civilians inside the city. This is like their last stand. And, and this is for, for the rest of this war, the rest of this conflict, this area, everybody's going to remember the battle of Mariupol and it's going to happen because they all, they're all fighting till the very, like, I, I don't see anybody giving up. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to give up. They're going to be sent off to camps. They're going to be have military tribunal. Like, all this stuff's going to happen if they get caught, if they lay down their arms. That's not going to happen. Like, it's something they know they have to fight to the death. So nothing's really changed other than the fact that they're still significantly heavy house-to-house fighting 24 hours a day. Like, they're, they're fighting like crazy down there, the Ukrainians are. So we're going to move quite a bit west here. We are actually as far west as we're going to talk about. So Mikolaev, I've annotated on the map. As you guys can see, I've updated it pretty significantly through here. The Russian forces have pulled back and lost some ground all through here over the last 24 hours. Uh, we know over the last 48 hours, let me go ahead and get that out of the way, they've lost ground from here all the way down to here and all the way back. For the last 48 hours, they've literally been pushed all the way back. Now, they did have a unit, so they're trying to maybe push around and go somewhere else and try to actually do something since they're there. A Russian recon group actually reached the town of Berezinhavut, 
Wow, that's a name right there. But this one, so that name right there, that place. I'm going to start giving these places English names like Boston. So I, I don't know. And I just jack up these names so bad. They attempted once again have a probing attack. Once again, they've tried these probing attacks. We know yesterday inside of this area, they did probing attacks on the Bug River, which is on the, which is right here on the northern side of Mikolaev. So they've been trying to push through there as well. So these probing attacks, they haven't been ha- they haven't been working too well. The Ukrainian forces actually repelled the attack, and the recon group actually retreated. No one knows exactly where it's at or where they're at. Ah, anyway. Well, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and end this one on the note. That here's another video from the Ukrainian Farmers Brigade doing their job, and I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode. I do love you guys. I am out. Так, шановні, сука, фермер, гляньте, 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 сука, уже і тут пацани притянули собі трофей. Красавчики, просто красавчики, просто песня. Все буде Україна.